This is 400 Plus. I'm Mark Sims. My guest is Rosita Chatanda. I think I got it right for the second time, the second show. What do you think, yes. Rosita? Yes, Chatanda. Okay. Uh, Rosita, you are a long-term educator here in the city of Chicago. And uh, you, you, how long have you, you been educated? 20, 30 years? How long? Yes. Like I said before, it seems like my entire life, <laughs> but my entire adult life for the most part. And yeah, don't, uh, don't tell your age. Just tell me how long you've been working. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least so I've worked in several systems, so probably thirty years. Yeah, then you know what you're talking about. So we're mm -hmm. gonna we're gonna do a really quick podcast uh, as we record this. Uh, mayor elect uh, Brandon Johnson was elected, and so we have a new mayor here in Chicago uh, as of right now, because you know. Things change. <laughs> All the votes haven't been counted as we're doing this podcast. But here we go. Uh, Mayor-elect uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson. Will Brandon Johnson, as mayor of Chicago, the city of Chicago, will the Chicago public schools improve, especially for low-income black African-American students? Well, you're asking me if it will improve and here is the thing. I'm concerned about that. I really am. And I will tell you why. A lot of the teachers at the union and Brandon himself, they're new teachers. And people think education is something you can just run into and learn overnight. The reason why we know what we know is we've labored in the classroom with our students for decades. And doing that, we found out certain key things that transform students' lives. When, when you haven't taught five years, I really don't consider you a teacher. So with this, I'm hoping that the union, who, who's primarily filled with new teachers and community organizers and school clerks, I hope that they will allow some of our, especially our experienced African-American teachers to be a part of what's going on because those are the people with the knowledge and the understanding and those are the people that have paid their dues. Now, I'm hoping that that will take place. I'm not sure because, you know, Brandon isn't in charge of the union. And uh, they have a different focus than unions normally had in the past. So I'm, I'm hoping that it will be good. But, you know, Carl's teachers is going to be on the case. We, we're going to be looking for money. We're going to be writing grants. Okay, explain we're it, always explain, uh, Rosita, finding way. Explain uh -huh. to people. I got y'all. Sorry to do it. Explain to people what is Carl's. Cause is Chicago Alliance of Urban School Educators. Some people say it's a caucus, but it's really a support group. So we were coalition alliance because we have teachers all over the country, predominantly black teachers, some working, some been disenfranchised, some fired, some sobbing. We have all different kinds and cause. And so what we do is we try to find solutions for the African-American teaching community that uh, and many of many of them have been terminated. But we have cause members that are working all the time and working every day. So we work with them to impact the lives of our students still. I, tr I try and I messed this up. I tried to get uh, Jackson Potter. Uh, Jackson Potter is the founder of the. 
I get it. I, core, right? The core, core. caucus. The yes. core caucus, right? Mm-hmm. What? I, yes. I, I mean something. Who cares? But the point is that he seemed like a nice enough person, but he started this core thing years mm-hmm. ago, and it, it has led to the election of Brandon Johnson. Yeah. I have nothing against Mr. Potter. I, um, I don't really know him, but I do want to get on my mother's podcast to talk about talk to him for a few seconds. But do do African-Americans understand that we, I'm happy and it's nice to see this black man with a black family from the West Side of Chicago. I mean, I mean, he lives on the West Side. I don't think he's born and raised on the West Side, but he lives on the West Side. And the point is that but he's mayor of Chicago, which is good. But he's been propelled to this, this, uh, uh, this. Uh, I mean, being mayor of Chicago because of running the root causes, if you will, I should say causes, is Jackson Potter. And of course, do do African Americans? I'm not saying it's a bad thing per se, but we got to understand it so we can play this correctly. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, I certainly do. And let me just prefix that by saying, you know, Brandon Johnson, he's a smart, intelligent black young man, and uh, I wish him well. Uh, he actually, um, you know, has been quite stellar in terms of carrying himself. The issue that I have with him, as you were saying, you know, he, the people that are behind the scenes, like the Jackson Potters, like his mother, like people who really traditionally don't have a very good relationship with African American, uh, especially the veteran Black community. it's just to me, it's like a lot of the Willie Lynch kind of stuff, young against old. It seems to be that's what they promote, you know, the division. And I've seen that happen with our younger teachers and older teachers. And, you know, like for instance, cause uh, they're not reaching out to us. They know we're out here, they know we file lawsuits, we're seeking justice. As a union, with all of your money, we're dues-paying members. And for wouldn't they reach out? Wouldn't Jackson Potter? Wouldn't somebody, even Brandon, reach out and say, "Hey, guys, you all are teachers too. What can we do to help? We have your dues. We have money." But they have never done that with cause, which troubles me. And I think a large part of Brandon not reaching out, because I did reach out to him during the election. And um, we reached out to Vallis, and we reached out to him. Vallis responded, he didn't. Now, we're educators, too, and we formed, we paid our dues, our union dues over time. We deserve an answer. We deserve a callback, and that we have not gotten. And I think a large part of that is the people that are running the show in the background. Yeah. And they're just not, they're just not friendly. Well, with I, black people. Well, I don't, well, who is friendly with black folks? I ain't gonna lie to you. And they, and as a people, this you know they they deal with us as in, as individuals, but as a people, that's yeah. a whole nother flavor. And I have nothing against, and, I, and people get mad when I say this, but I, this is four hundred plus, so I got to be real. I have nothing against white liberals, quote unquote. They used, they used to call them lakefront liberals back in the day. Now, yeah. now they call them progressives, right? I have right. nothing against progressives, but when I. Uh, my my and I could be wrong. You're gonna chime in when I'm done with this real quick. When I s- talk to or maybe just see white progressives or even Latino progressives on the news media, talk shows, podcasts, I don't really hear them really 
uh, talk about the interests of black people. And I know no. on one level, why could, why should they? Because they ain't black. But here in Chicago, a lot of the drama, I'm talking about uh, neighborhood crime, because as long as we were killing and shooting each other in our neighborhood, it's not a problem. But these young folks are from a day from a different flavor, a different planet, whatever. They will go downtown, north side, start shooting, killing anybody. And so right. everybody's upset. So it's in the best interest of this city to solve, if you will, some of the African-American issues. And it will solve a lot of issues in the city of Chicago. But when I, I don't think the white liberals really, they ain't feeling it, are they? I, I could be wrong. What do you think, Rosita? Well, I don't think they're feeling it, and I don't think they want to feel it. <laughs> you know, I think that they have an agenda, and it just doesn't include us. Uh, they feel like more like we should be in a melting pot. And first of all, uh, there is no uh, recourse for reparations or any other thing that freedmen really should be fighting for. They're doing the opposite. So... If you're a black progressive, I really don't think you can be a black progressive and do any advocacy for black people. You know, when I worked for CTU, you know, I was always talking about black this and black that. That wasn't popular. <laughs> you know, that was that's that when they found me, I was doing the black teacher stuff, but it was not welcome at CTU. So I don't think you're going to hear too many black people that call it progressive start talking some black talk. That would be surprising. And, and I, unless they unless they had severed their relationship like I did. And, and you know, and, and, and like I said, I'm not against progressives, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But like you said, I don't think they... If you're a black progressive, I, if you're a quote-unquote black progressive, I get it. Because you know how we are. We are divided to conquer people. We're very tribal. We're more relational and transactional. We, we don't, we don't, I got Negroes still telling me how light-skinned I am. I mean, Negroes are still saying this in 2023. We still got some issues. So a lot of black folks, I understand black progressives, they, they almost have to go to the white or Latino progressive progressive caucus because black folks right. are saying they never going to get our act together. We so fragmented and silly. So they almost forced to go to the progressive to try to get something done. Didn't did, yes. did my babble make sense, Rosita? <laughs> oh, definitely. And I, I hear you on that. And this is why it's so painful to watch because when I worked at CTU and I saw the level of organizing that they were doing and I thought to myself, we don't have anything in our community anywhere near the level of organizing commitment that these people have. I told Matt McGill one day, I said, and this is true, they will all ride bicycles and eat one bell pepper a day to get the job done. They will put their monies together. You've never seen me. I've never seen anything like it. So when I started to organize black people, I thought in my, you know, just my imagination there thinking that there at least I could do a little bit. No, we don't have anything. We can't compete. We cannot compete with that level of war. That's why you had to defeat yesterday. You cannot compete with that kind of commitment and level of organizing. And like I say, I respect them for it. I learned a lot. It was disappointing to me that we could not participate on the same level as a people. But, you know, they, they organize. And I've, like I said, they're probably the best I've ever seen. 
And this whole progressive thing, they don't see color, but we have to live in color every day. But they don't see color. It's the agenda and everybody's focused. They don't want to hear about black, white. They just want to move their agenda. Yeah, and that's so, why I'm going to do a podcast and uh, write something. I said, it's the progressive agenda or the progressive socialist agenda, which I'm not against per se. But but does that run over black folks? And we all and we still so you have this progressiveness, but we still left in the lurch. We still on the back exactly. of the bus. We still on the back of the bus. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and you know what's even scarier for me, because the progressive socialist or Marxist ideology that they have, what happens for us as black people is because we didn't get repair reparations, they view everyone as equal. And we're not equal when you, your parents just, uh, you just inherited a couple of million and you're making 40,000. And my family just came out of public housing and I'm making 40,000. Those are two not equal situations. But in their mind, though, that's equality. So they're not willing to look at our history and give repair, reparations, or anything. So what happens is that we start working, and this is why I'm really afraid of this, and I'm warning people, because I saw what they did with CTU. They will have uh, people that are less, make less money, brand new people, just starting out, and fire everybody that's over six figures or who have gotten to a position in life where they're living comfortably. They were went in and fired all those people and forced them out and replaced them with people with much less education, sometimes even people with GEDs and community organizers that they could pay a third or a fourth of what they were paying those people. Now, that worries me when in terms of are they going to, they talk about not raising taxes. So is this going to be the strategy you use? Are you going to go through the city and eliminate all these high paying jobs that people have worked to get there their whole life and then replace them with brand new people because they're youth oriented. And I'm worried about the people who have families and who are parents and grandparents trying to help get their children through college because I saw a lot of teachers' kids have to come home from college because of that. Well, so that's a real concern. <laughs> I know what you're saying, Rosita. And so, Rosita, thank you for being my guest on 400 Plus. And so if, if you can... <laughs> Leave us with some wisdom to tell these, tell color folks that all that glitters ain't gold. I mean, I'm happy, Brandon. I voted for Brandon Johnson. I'm not hating on Brandon Johnson, people. But we got to be, we got to think two thoughts at the same time. So leave us a little inspiration. Maybe we Negroes may finally get our act together in this time. Well, well, first of all, congratulations to Brandon on a spectacular campaign. But we know that he wasn't the one really orchestrating it all, but he did do a wonderful job. He achieved his goal. I would like to say this. We don't have to be at each other's uh, throats, uh, and which is very sad. I see that on Facebook. We can still work together as a people if you voted for violence or if you voted for Brandon, because when you think about it, it's never strategic for all black people to vote for one candidate. And then, you know, Hispanics don't do it. No one does it but us. 
And then when the person doesn't deliver, like we've seen that before, you have no recourse. So it's actually strategic to have that half some people go over and vote for violence, some go that would smarter way to do things. But but lifting up, just remember people, like he said, all the glitters is not gold. You just met Brandon Johnson about 12 weeks ago. Most of the people don't have a clue about where he came from or what. They just love that picture, that black family. And I do too. But you have got to look beneath that. And we need to keep our eyes open to ensure that we get something and it's not another four years of sanctuary cities, LGBT, and nothing for the freedmen.